See you once a week recapping the Hollywood week that was getting you ready for the Holly Weird week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Hashtag MMO Weekly. Hashtag MMOW. I am your co host, Mike One. This is co host also Mike. So we're coming at you a little bit earlier for this weekly. Yes. It's not MMO bi weekly. It's not <laughs> turning into that. But we had like a James Bond timeline history episode. And in all our research, we're just like reading books and watching documentaries and. <laughs> Like, it's been out there for decades. Like, they've done it better. Like, what are we going to bring? So we're just going to dive in, do our thing with Connery, with Lazenby this week, Lazenby this week, and we're going to have fun with it that way, just reviewing movies like we always do. Yeah, we were pounding our heads trying to figure out a way to introduce this and have, like, a timeline episode and then do this with it and do that with it, Mm -hmm. and then we realized... This is a ridiculous series <laughs> based on some ridiculous premises, so why not try to have fun with it more than anything? We're going to love and we're going to hate it. We're going to have a license to kill it, and we're going to, uh, you know, just be... Uh, Act on that license, quite frankly. Yeah, but we're, we're also going to love a lot of aspects yes. of it. It's a trend-setting series, of course. It's a, it's a blockbuster series unlike any other. We will give it the respect that it deserves and the criticism that it merits. Yes. <laughs> so you have that to look forward to this week as we will get... That James Bond re- character study, I'm sorry, underway. This is MMO Weekly. If you've not joined us before for what MMO Weekly is, it's our look around the Hollywoods. We take a look at the big blockbuster news, the bigger movie news. Uh, if you're looking for a more awards centric news show, uh, that was what we did once a week. We're now going to do it somewhat regularly, but it won't be once a week anymore. But we have Oscar race checkpoint episodes, ORCs as we call them. Those are your awards and Oscars specific news shows. Uh, those will be coming to you quite soon as well yeah we just did the preview series mm-hmm. the year in preview series for next year and that was like three oscar race checkpoints essentially yeah, you know back to back to back so we're going to take a breather on oscar race checkpoints unless news drops that's why we have the show if we need a checkpoint we can do it but i think the quarter one update is going to be the big one there you go so that's what you can look forward to in the uh somewhat near future but for now like i said focusing more on the blockbuster and the more widespread industry news that's what mmo weekly covers for you every week that's what we're doing right now and the way we usually start these episodes is we go over michael it's what we're watching thank you okay the Invisible Man. Yeah. I, I saw a bunch of movies this weekend, and The Invisible Man uh, started it off. I really, really enjoyed it. B plus 87 right off the bat. Now, awesome. Elizabeth Moss, terrific as we thought, but that was like a given. I'm expecting that. And we want her in more horror, too. Moments of brilliance from her, moments of brilliance from the screenplay. Like, it's some of the better horror writing I've seen in a while. Really wow. innovates things. And, I, and it makes me excited. It makes me excited, excited for the genre. You get a lot of rave reviews out there. Now, when you have a movie this good at certain points, I think you should avoid some of the cliches. Like, you still got the don't-go-in-there scenes <laughs> and those sequences in this movie that bother me. Like, if it just didn't have that... Like, if you're smart enough as a protagonist, there's no reason for you to be in this dilemma right now? Some of them set up future, you know, dilemmas uh-huh. and future payoffs, right? So that that's fun. But, like, when these characters are so smart... In, in scenes, especially at the end, why are they so stupid and silly and cliched and conventional in others? Like, when you're going to be so unconventional later, I get that you can set it up, but, they, I mean, I'm just sitting there, and it's like, oh, again? 
And I'm like, why are you fighting an invisible man this way? This is not the way you fight an invisible man. Isn't it funny how we all bring our own expertise to that, that type of movie, even though it's a situation right. none of us could possibly relate to? Yeah, I would have been shaking with fear in a corner, in the fetal position with my thumb in my naturally, mouth. Naturally, naturally. And these heroes, they're legitimate heroes, are, you know, doing something that's a little silly in the moment because they're a little upset. Right. <laughs> and they're right. fearful and they do stupid things. But, all right, I get human nature in that regard. But uh, but the good outweighs the bad if you're giving it a B plus. By a lot. So B plus all day, good movie, go see it. So Elizabeth Moss, we want her in more horror things still, even after this performance. Oh, she can totally do it. I mean, I think she's a better horror movie performance than her smell, just for the record. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not there a horror go. movie. Here's a take. <laughs> but that's just for the record. Like, if she was her smell character in this... That invisible na- man is not messing with her. Doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> uh, it's doing well as one of the, you know, Universal. They had their Dark Universe kickoff that yeah. kind of got crushed immediately once Tom Cruise's mummy came out. So they've been doing this kind of soft reboot of these Universal monsters. Again, it's nice to see that this one has success, and it's nice to see that they have. They seem to be taking care of these properties and at least having this kind of, again, I'll say soft reboot of trying to reintroduce these classic movie monsters. But for an Invisible Man movie, you appreciated this one. Well, I think they let Lee Winnell just run with it. Mm-hmm. They just like, all right, you and you have Elizabeth Moss attached. Do what you can. I mean, you're auteur theory. They just let a good filmmaker yeah. make a good movie. And that was really cool. And they, they let him change it. They didn't say, all right, you had to stick to this, this and that. All right, he has to be a 50-year-old white man who has a curly Q mustache, and he's really ornery. The furthest we'll go is Kevin Bacon, and that's it. That's all (laughs) we'll allow. they they didn't do that. So I like the innovations here, and it's it's pretty cool. So high marks, high grade, probably no Oscar likes for anything, though. No. Okay. I would be very surprised. Maybe sound, but I, I don't think so. Good to know. What else we got, Mike? I watched The Lodge. This is Riley Keough. This is, these are the writers and directors from Goodnight Mommy. Yes. If you have a lot of religious baggage like I do, mm-hmm. this is the kind of horror movie that's truly going to haunt your nightmares <laughs> and shake you to the bone. But look, I mean, regardless, this is a disturbing film. A disturbing film. So I did struggle with uh, certain things about the beginning and end just based on this is effed up. I also struggled with some of the how is this actually happening stuff. But that's like every horror movie. But again, the movie raised my expectations early on yeah. to where you're like, all right, this is really set in reality. So, so you're I'm, talking in the movie theater, your expectations were Just raised. like Invisible Man did. Very like cool. when they really dazzle me early, I'm like, all right, so why do we have to do the convention? Because you had a high expectations for each of these going in based on the trailers. Yeah, and, the, and you yeah. know what? They still deliver. Good. This is another B plus 87. Awesome. Riley, Riley Keough, I'm just so impressed with her every movie. She's in bad movies, Under the Silver Lake. Yeah. I didn't like it right. all. No offense. Very polarizing. Boy, I think he liked it. Uh, on, online there on Twitter, a lot of people love it. Yep. I did not like it. too, though, anyway, so you're not in the minority. She yeah. is awesome in everything. Logan Lucky, a bunch, a bunch of Soderbergh stuff uh, recently. Well, over the last five years, I'd say, she's been crushing it. She's going to have an award season at some point. Richard Armitage is perhaps one of the best narrators of audiobooks out there, <laughs> FYI. And to see him acting as such an assist man in this plot, after being like the bad guy in like these direct-to-video King Arthur movies mm-hmm. and shit like that, 
this is is much more his lane. Just do this. Uh, I'm really happy about the about the two leads in that regard. And so Alicia Silverstone is tremendous. Well, that's what I was going to ask you when we first previewed this or preview or reviewed the preview, which is really just easy to say. Mm-hmm. We said Alicia Silverstone's listed on the IMDb cast page. We didn't really see her in any previews. We didn't know if that was a spoiler. Blah blah blah. Does she play any kind of surprise in this at all? I yes. don't want to, okay. it's awesome. All right. uh, yes, she's she's a character that is very much linked to Riley Keough and gotcha. to the family. And, cool. And, and I'm not going to say anything about it other than if you appreciate Goodnight Mommy, even though it's an effed up movie, sure is. you'll probably appreciate this. So just be ready. Like, there's no bear suits, but there might as well be. It's that kind of Robert Edgar's, uh, you know, sort of thing. It's a, it's, it's a, so it's like an Ari Aster adjacent yeah. type property. That and that's thing. kind of where I was going to go with both of these two. So uh, a, a bit of a reinvigoration to the horror genre Definitely. with more auteurs involved. Which one of these two between the Lodge and... And the Invisible Man. I know you said you brought in baggage. The Lodge. The Lodge. The Lodge. <laughs> Robert Lodge. <laughs> uh, which of those two kind of stuck with you more after you left the theater? I never want to see The Lodge again. But, I mean, The Lodge is something you think about a long time. I would rewatch uh, Invisible Man again. I would like to study The Invisible Man. Like, we were thinking about doing it yeah. for an OSP. We're, we're just going to review it here. But I, I would like to see that again, to be honest. Cool. All right. I watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire there finally. There you go. Uh, film Twitter, you were right. This It took me forever to get to this. Uh, missed opportunities to see it in the late fall when it debuted. It got bumped. Uh, so I rushed to the theater uh, this weekend to see it. And, Mike, Adele Heinel, uh, Noemi Merlant, they blew me away. They, they would have been in my top threes for act, uh, lead actress and supporting wow. actress this past year. And if I studied this film, I might have put them at number one. I mean, they're both that good in this. Uh, the Who production did we talk values. To that said this was their bet number one movie of the year. I forget, if one M- of the McQuaid guests was up there on it. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of the guys yeah. uh, from In Session Film love it. I know for sure. Uh, production values are just gorgeous as well. This is one of the most beautiful films in a long time. Wow. Uh, from every shot to every image to every actress to paintings to set the setting itself, just gorgeous. Knock you over kind of uh, visuals, uh, cinematography, editing, production design, costumes. The sound is terrific. The score, you know, they take like big operas. I don't know the fancy schmancy term for that, but classical music <laughs> scores the film for much of it. So you really couldn't go for original score. But look, I mean, this movie is also just an emotional gut punch. It's a roller coaster, much like Call Me by Your Name. The themes, the romance, the lessons. It's all timeless. It's archetypal. It's it's universal. And maybe this is a flaw in my straight white male character mm-hmm. to continually be surprised when I can relate to a lesbian film about 18th century French women like I do here. But this landed just so well for me. The film brought back so many memories from Love's Lost in my own life, from my past. It made for an emotional day. I'm not going to lie. A minus 91. You said continuously relate to those types of movies. So there's been multiple 18th century lesbian romance movies that have spoken to you? Well, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> movies that are not meant for me particularly. But it's the second 18th century movie about... Right. I, I get what you're watch. saying. Little yeah, Women yeah, was women another was one very, of those. Very high Why are we relating to Joe March more than any other character this year? Well, Why am I relating speaks, to these characters? It certainly more speaks more yeah. towards the, the writing and, and the performances as well of the actresses uh, involved in these. So great job all around. We said this is likely going to be the best movie that is left with zero nominations. And from what you're saying here, it sounds like that was it, a it's a crime. big oversight by yeah, the Academy. It's better, in my opinion, it's a better film than Cold War 
wow last year uh, that that made it all these crossover yeah. noms it, people are right in my opinion on film twitter i mean this is a high high grade for me how it got basically neglected for, by france who we're going to talk about later yep. as making bad decisions continuing to just sabotage i haven't themselves. seen Le Miserable yet i hear it's a good film all right great you, why can't they nominate two movies if they're that good? I mean, we, we got to have some kind of switch to the With rules With the here. expansion of the international film pool, we got to get rid of that. I mean, if there's great films that are Oscar worthy for the international feature category, nominate them. Just have it like, be one have like two or three wild cards at the end of the day. That the whole at grand, large bids. At yeah. large bids, something like that. Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame. Yeah, I agree. I agree. This I, totally would have been Notre Dame yeah. this particular year. Uh, standing up, falling down. This is the uh, VOD. It's, you know, you can watch it on video right now. Ben Schwartz, Billy Crystal. Movie. I am in love with Ben Schwartz, and yeah. I have zero motivation to seek this movie. Out. I, here's the messed up thing about having to live this film critic lifestyle. Yeah. You try to watch a movie from one of your favorite young comedians who did a Sundance film with one of your favorite older comedians. Mm-hmm. It gets a 91 or 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, and you think it's going to be a vote of confidence for them, especially when you're going to celebrate their work later mm. in the episode for Six Degrees of MMO and your audience interaction. You know, that segment. Right. That's coming. Yeah. You know, we picked him for a reason. Right. This was painfully bad, Michael. Wah, 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 wah. I, I think I laughed, you know, once, and Ugh. it was an evil laugh. Is it, was it a supposed guy, to be funny? It was a guy running into an old lady and just trucking her. <laughs> <laughs> so that's hysterical. We're simple men here. I laugh at that all day. No, but this is, like, really awkward. It's just so... Talk about cliches and conventions. Like, I mean, look, it's a harmless movie, and if you haven't seen a movie in, like, six months... Maybe this is a fine watch. Mm. You know, you're not used to all like those that. conventions. <laughs> but if you watch movies like we do, yeah. there's no way this is going to play. And it just was, I, it was forced. It was, it was a struggle for me. This was VOD. Yes, eight dollars. Okay. Right, I well, wish I have them had them back. Eight bucks. You're not getting back. Six dollars <laughs> now was Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage. This is a HP Lovecraft adaptation from director Richard Stanley, who burst on the scene in 1990 with Hardware, who was one of the hottest young directors, was famously fired on his next big project, The Island of Dr. Moreau. And that's one hell of a story. There are documentaries made about it. He has since kind of like left the game. He took his ball and went home, but he became a documentary filmmaker. He's doing peyote in the woods while he's filming these documentaries. He's made some good docs about... effective Brando. <laughs> yeah, he's made good docs about genre fiction, about horror fiction. Go seek those out. They're, they're really cool. This movie is as weird as advertised, Mike. This yeah, it is looks hot. like a schlock horror fest, and it's got visuals. It's really got a visual style that's pretty unique and weird and scary and neon purple, especially that last part. <laughs> uh, I think you also get the goods of Nicolas Cage going way over the top, and I think if you like all those things, you're going to like this movie. So this one delivers goods for, for your $6, so I would say B-. minus. It's, it's a solid watch. I could recommend how does it stack up in comparison to another wacky Nicolas Cage horror movie in Mandy? Mandy. Well, I, I think Mandy has bigger goods earlier, but Mandy's also makes you suffer. This movie doesn't make you suffer <laughs> okay. quite so hard. Like, there's one scene where everybody's screaming. Yeah. Which I didn't like. I you, don't like th- yeah, you got this thing about loud voices in I movies like screaming it. directly in your face, which I get, yeah. I don't like when that happens. <laughs> Probably because you get it enough times a week in this podcast. Right. That's right. That's right. You're, it's your fault. Thank you. 
I watched uh, ESPN Plus's uh, D Wade Life Unexpected. This man has been retiring for what feels like 18 years now. This was a strong sports doc. It really is something that they must have been shooting forever, Mike. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, he's been retiring all these years, but they've been filming him all these years. So maybe, like, that's why they've been filming him all these years, because he's like, I'm coming back. Don't stop the camera. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it was it was a look into some of the moments that that hurt him. Those are some of the best parts of the documentary, like LeBron leaving. I mean, they get into his divorce that was famously on the front page. Yeah. That took ugly forever. Divorce. He, ugly divorce. Uh, they get into the strong speech that he and Carmelo and Chris Paul and LeBron made at the ESPYs a few years ago, uh, speaking against uh, violence. Uh, and gun violence, etc. I I was not planning to watch this movie, but I woke up at four in the morning, and I, this was just on my thing, and I was like, "All right, I have to watch." This. Your sleep schedule is turning into no, Ed it was Norton bad. From Fight Club. I couldn't sleep. I watched three movies this morning. This segment would have been much much shorter <laughs> if it wasn't yet, for this morning. <laughs> this morning, I rewatched those last three. I do give Dwayne Wade all sorts of credit for being involved with the uh, the hair love from this past Oscars, taking that high school kid who was, I guess, kicked off the football team or wasn't allowed to prom. One of those stories because he yeah. had to shave his dreadlocks and refuse. So I, I, I just. I have no problem with Dwayne Wade the man. He seems like a very, very righteous activist and is on the side of good. But my lord, are they celebrating everything about this retirement that he, he hasn't he hasn't played in over a year? He's like the Derek <laughs> Jeter of uh, the same conference, though. I mean, right. you're a rival of his. In a way. I, I, I mean, it's not even that. It's like the guy. Like, no, you're biased. You're I biased. Know, Miami right. people can like him and think he's Derek Jeter of the uh, of the South. Celtics should have made the finals in 2012. Go ahead. <laughs> I gave it like a B. All right, so you watched Pete Davidson Alive in New York. I love Pete Davidson, but yeah. there is such a sadness to everything he does. Yes. This is his new Netflix special, and I, I'm, I'm legitimately worried about him because he's getting on the verge to me about just this man who doesn't seem to really like care, and he seems to be very pessimistic about the way the world works. And I'm not saying anything he reveals about the way the world works is incorrect, I mean, not that I can relate because he's famous on a stage that many people never even dream about getting right. to. But uh, like, there's just such a—he just seems so beaten down at such a young age, and it's just—it's sad to me. Did this special still make you laugh? Oh yeah, a, a lot. Or uh, were no. you, was it a downer? Yeah, like down, down the downer stuff kept you down. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it was. Just, I just was like, man, come on, Pete, and and you could tell the guy's been through the ringer, and he's commenting on Ariana Grande, and he's talking about. Very famously, Ariana Grande released a song after they broke up, basically like saying that this guy's got a huge penis, which a lot of people in pop culture said was like a thank you note from her, like a good job or setting him up for his next girlfriend. And he just immediately like he was so down about it and so depressed about it. And it was like she set me up because she's a diabolical genius. And all she did was make it so any future woman who sees my penis is sure to be disappointed. And like the stuff was funny, like the bits were funny, but it's right. just like. God, you have the world in your hand, man. I'm hoping Judd Apatow spoke, spoke through him and got through to him and, and, and showed him the light. And I'm hoping he's he's able to just hone this talent and this creativity. He is one of the naturally funniest people at such a young age I've ever seen. So he's certainly worthy of all this fame. But, man, he's lived a life. And I, I just I hope he's he, he finds his inner peace. It's a lot. It is. It's, it's it a is. heavy review yeah. of a uh, of a comedy. Script. And I could be totally wrong. Look, the guy could be completely content. I'm just telling you how it comes off. Looking through the stand up special, I also thought it was bizarre how like the crowd. It wasn't acting like a stand-up special crowd. Like, there were smatterings of applauses and outbursts. It was a crowd that uh, are full of Ariana Grande fans. 
<laughs> I don't think so. But are they maybe. just all art? <laughs> maybe that would be interesting. <laughs> they just start booing them. No, I. They, you know, the tickets are on sale when they were together, and then <laughs> right, yeah, they got them when they purchased the ticket to the Grande concert. Oh, no. no, but it was just it, the whole thing was just very bizarre to me. But I, I enjoyed it. I, like I said, I think he's a very funny man. I hope I'm wrong about everything, but if nothing else, he deserves to find happiness and be happy. So I hope that's in the cards. Well, he does have a good movie coming out. We think should I, be. A good I hope movie so. I can't out. wait for it. I really can't. I'm King excited. Of Staten Island, yeah. so uh, wait to see that. I started watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous, huh? Absurd. Just absurd. The most absurd. <laughs> HBO keeps giving Larry David more and more money and a bigger and bigger budget, and he's... Like, what do you do with it? Of course you're going to book yourself to go to these exotic locations and these, like, all-expenses-paid resorts and, and have Vince Vaughn come in as a cameo appearance and stuff. It's just... It's the height of absurdity in 2020. They, they definitely uh, love their excess yes. of stars and the people he knows. But I think uh, it's also become the show for me that I scream at. Like, it's, it's you can't remember you cops that. when yeah. we were younger and you'd yell at the TV, <laughs> get out of there, what are you doing? But now I scream at Larry David. I hate him so much. I, I love him. <laughs> He's I one of my him. idols. He is the most hateable character in the history of characters. He's doing it on purpose, obviously, but. And the way he writes himself yeah. into these love stories with these beautiful women. And he looks the way he does. <laughs> Gives us the most hope ever. No, I mean, you're right. It's ridiculous. Uh, McMillions, I wanted to touch on. I know we talked about this last MMOW. Have you caught up with yes, it? Yes, uh, four in, right? Four. I thought it was the last episode, but yeah, I guess it's going to just keep going forever. Well, the VOD, the on-demand was deceiving because it right. looked like the exactly. last episode. And then exactly. they said, and then they, boom, they put up the two new options. I'm wondering where this ends. I don't. I feel like we've covered everything at this point. If it doesn't end with just somebody eating like the whole menu at McDonald's <laughs> like those YouTube videos I'm gonna be disappointed the end of McMillions is the beginning of Super Size Me from this Morgan Spurlock gonna, look this is going to end with me at McDonald's of course in a, in a, of a pile course. of wrappers I, I thank god I have to drive somewhere to get McDonald's <laughs> when I watch these this is like I understand now why you can't watch the Food Network I can't watch this show because all I want is double cheeseburgers I smell it yeah. I oh, yeah. can taste it it's oh, yeah. bad oh Oh. And I, I, it's it's the height of self-control that we have not gone there every day since the start of this series. You want to stop recording and go to McDonald's real quick? I actually do. <laughs> not lying. Not going to lie. I may go after this after I leave your ass. I started watching... Uh, I will not keep up with this, but I started watching The Circle, which is that social media reality show on Netflix that a lot of people were very high on and like obsessed with. Okay. I don't understand exactly what's going on. I'm not a fan of it. I think this is pretty gross. And it's basically seven or eight people living in the same apartment complex, making friends with each other, but only through a social media platform. And they're allowed to, like, catfish other people if they want. And they're allowed to, like, lie about themselves and make clicks. And it's basically just a, a study, a Petri dish of the human condition in the social media era. And it's terrifying. Are they in isolation? Yes. Each they're each in their own room, apartment room. But they and they have this like customized social media platform to talk to each other through. There's no TV or anything, and they just have to live there and 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 speak to one another when the room allows them to. And it's like screen life, where where that genre where the that's what's on the no, it, to look at no, or? it's like the real world. 
It's like there's cameras set up throughout the house. But and each nobody interacts. They can't interact. Set. Right. Exact. Like they're they're basically talking the, through their decisions of what they're going to say to this person online to the camera to nobody. Now, are these well-adjusted people, or are these like people you think would be trolls on social media? I don't think a well-adjusted person exists in the social media era anymore. But no, these are people who are trolls. I know as a couple of them certainly are oh, trolls. Oh really? Yeah. So they purposely put you know people. Oh like, yeah. 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 I can't keep up with it. It's oh, it, it just depresses me. <laughs> so I had that. And uh, Lady Gaga released a new song yesterday, Mike, and I've listened to it, I think, 55 times. Um, uh, uh, Stupid Love, mm-hmm. something like that. I, I can't stop listening to it. All right. That's been my week. It out. That's your weekend. <laughs> we can transition from what we've been watching to the news of the week. News, 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 All right, we need to uh, follow up right now on the Harvey Weinstein story. Do we need to? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's important. And I I think, you know, it's some good news, but, you know, it's, again, some bad news involved with it, too. But he was found guilty of rape. Right. So that's the headline. Mm -hmm. Harvey Weinstein was found guilty of third-degree rape. In a, in a New York courthouse, which according to New York statute, third degree rape is sexual intercourse with lack of consent by a victim for some reason other than incapacity to consent. He was also found guilty of first degree criminal sexual act, which under New York statute is oral or anal sexual conduct by forcible compulsion. Uh, both of these are felonies. One is a class E felony. One is a class B felony. The latter uh, the the first degree criminal sexual act is the class B felony, which could carry five to 25 years in prison. Weinstein was acquitted, though, of the more serious charges made against him, namely those of two counts of predatory sexual assault and one count of first-degree rape. And I know, rightfully so, there's going to be a lot of people out there who are going to be dismayed by the fact that he's probably not going to be spending the rest of his life behind bars. Uh, his sentencing is up March 11th. Like I said, it's it's 5 to 25 years for one of the, the Class B felony, and then it's like 150 hours community service for the Class E felony. So it's up to the judge's discretion how long he's going to actually spend in jail. With his high-powered lawyers, it's probably unlikely he would get the maximum sentence, I'm just wondering. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of conditions that go into it. Usually your past record, what, how heinous is the crime, uh, what the lawyers can plead for years. I, I'm assuming, I hope he gets 25 years. Very rarely do you get the maximum under the sentencing uh, recommendations, especially for a first-time conviction. Okay. I'm assuming it'll be in the lower end, 5 to 10 years, which 5 to 10 years means it'll probably be suspended after half the sentence, which means it'll be 2 and a half to 5 years, which means he'll get out in good behavior. He probably spends a year and a half, 2 years in jail at the most. I could be totally wrong. Again, that's just my guess. New York also has a history of being far more severe on sexual predators than other states, so it could, maybe he does get the book thrown at him. Now, the public nature of this particular trial what is that going to have to do with it you know maybe and that's another factor and a variable that the judge has to consider maybe the judge because this is the highest of high profile cases maybe he thro- does throw the book at him to make an example to say if there's any other men in power i mean look at plexico burris right plexico burris the new york is a very harsh gun law state so when right. plexico burris went to the nightclub ended up shooting himself in the leg because he was had it he had a gun that he didn't have a uh, license for uh, they wanted to make an example of him. Mike okay. Bloomberg specifically wanted to make an example of him. So they did give him kind of the higher end of that prison sentence. He ended up spending three and a half years in jail. So, yeah, there's a billion factors, like I said. I, I, my experience of having worked in these kinds, kinds of cases, certainly not this high profile, but just knowing what I know about how these sentences are usually done, my guess would be the lower end. I hope it's the higher end. 
that's that's my hope. What I'm afraid to ask now is, mm-hmm. do you think there's a backlash to the backlash? Because the Me Too movement could not be satisfied at this point. I mean, we've heard some statements that were positive, that were refreshing, that you, you felt for Rose McGowan when she came out and says that she could finally breathe now, uh, first time in a while. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of Me Too movement people who are rightfully upset that this was not more severe. Which I get. I mean, that's completely understandable, but it, it, that's one of the main takeaways, if not the main takeaway from me that I think is most important, and it really doesn't have to do anything to do with Weinstein. Uh, this case kind of proves just how many obstacles are put in the way of victims who come out and attempt to seek justice against the men in power positions who have wronged them. Uh there was probably no more one-sided case in history in terms of both victim testimony and public opinion than this one. It was literally the country versus Harvey Weinstein at certain points. Yeah. And still, in this circumstance, he was able to not only avoid a majority of the charges against him, but he avoided the most severe ones at that. So, yeah, there's going to be disappointment and dismay. I get that, and I think it's rightful, but it, it, this is why I say the Me Too movement does matter. And this is why I say you got to believe victims. Because if nothing else, this is class A example of why some people stay silent. And they don't think it's worth speaking up. And never that's just on the, the legal level. Never mind what happens to these people when they speak up professionally. Right. Like Rose McGowan, who was blackballed in the industry, essentially. Yeah. Never mind what happens in their personal lives. This is all kind of a, a great example of all these factors coming together. I mean, great in quotes, obviously, but a great example of all these factors coming together to, to prove why we you should take the side of these victims and you should listen to them when they have something to say and why they stay silent and why they don't want to speak up and what goes against them when they do. It's a mountain of obstacles that not a lot of people are strong enough to overcome, and it's completely understandable why they wouldn't do it. And I agree, it is entirely frustrating. A man in power with means, the system doesn't seem to apply to him the way it would anyone else. And it's awful. Well, that's freaking terrifying and hor- horrible. Yeah. Uh, all right, so they do throw the book at him mm-hmm. in terms of the sent- sentencing. If he gets 25 years. Yeah. I mean, is what's the most he's going to serve in that case? Uh, just curious. Usually... Uh, you you can I mean good behavior is anyone's guess as to whether or not he actually would get out because of that and it has to do with how many people are in the system and how what you know how lenient the the judge he happens to get on his case on his appeal is and how lenient the board of the prison blah 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 There's a, again a very billion variables if you do twenty five I'm gonna guess it'd be something like twenty five suspended after twenty so maybe he serves twenty years and he gets out uh, ten years so it could be a while. I mean, there is a chance that they, if the judge goes harsh on him, maybe he doesn't suspend the sentence at all. It just has to run consecutively. Maybe that's what happens. So, again, it, it's anybody's guess, really. I'm guessing if he doesn't have a prior record, it's not going to be as severe. My guess. Again, who knows? Maybe the judge wants to set an example. But here's the bright side of this case. Bright side is in quotes, if there is one that could be had at all, especially to his victims. Harvey Weinstein is going to now and forever be known as convicted rapist Harvey Weinstein. He's right. not going to be the guy that politicked his way to have Shakespeare in Love beat out Saving Private Ryan. Nope. He's not going to be known first and foremost as the guy that found Quentin Tarantino. He's going to be convicted rapist Harvey Weinstein. And that has to bring some form of closure 
to, to some of his victims. Some of them have already come out. You already said Rose McGowan has come out and commented on it, says she could breathe for the first time in a while. I imagine that brings some semblance of relief. It will not make these warriors, these absolute heroes, whole. I understand that, but I hope it brings them some form of peace. Uh, and that's kind of the, the one of the big takeaways, is, is what happens to the victims and the mountain of obstacles they have to overcome. And that this guy is going to go to jail for however long he's going to go to jail as a convicted rapist. They also stopped him, right? I mean, yeah. Because he's yeah. not going to be able to come out and, and do this again. We, we, How could he? Yeah, I mean, there's already been stories about him getting shamed, going just going in public and, you know, enjoying the night. So. He, he was a serial predator yeah. before these allegations, and you stopped the serial predator. Yeah. So then, then that's heroic. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, I understand the Me Too movement is a whole ball of wax. There's, there's some good and some bad. Hopefully... The most that comes out of it is, like you said, stopping people of this nature. All right. Happier story, actually. Yeah. I don't know why I said three lousy stories. That's tough for Disney. Tough for Disney, but the, their CEO, Bob Iger, stepped down. Bob Chapik is uh, tabbed as the next CEO. How did this go down? Because he was just interviewed by Bill Simmons a while yeah, back. Yeah, for his book. Now, his book is yeah. very telling, I guess, yeah. in retrospect, because he came out with a book basically going over his whole career. He, he's dropped hints in the media for a couple months that, that basically he was pretty much in a holding pattern with his career until Disney Plus was rolled out and settled. But I, I got the impression he always wanted Disney Plus to be his lasting legacy. So I, don't, I didn't take it as that much of a surprise. Maybe it's a surprise that he's announcing it now, but he, he's... Announcing that he's going to step down before HBO Max gets going, while Disney Plus is a success. I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh, and he's had one of the most legendary careers in the entertainment industry, obviously. Yeah. Iger's staying on until his current contract runs its course, which means he'll still be the big man on Mouse Campus until January 1st of 2022. But there's no doubt he leaves behind one of the finest legacies in all of entertainment. Like I said, if you need a more complete and detailed rundown, we covered a lot of it in our Pixar Rewatch series, especially the Cars episode. Yeah, we did. I walked everyone through the steps of Iger, how Iger not only brought in Pixar to the Disney umbrella, but would set the stage for the eventual futures of pretty much every major entertainment property from there on out, including ESPN, Star Wars, the MCU, various theme parks, restaurants, etc., etc. But for brevities and recap's sake, let's talk about what the House of Mouse has done under the guidance of Bob Iger uh, just very quickly here. He, like I said, saved not only the Disney-Pixar relationship, but Disney's relationship with Steve Jobs, as well as Disney Animation Studio in the process via spearheading the purchase and acquisition of Pixar. He made them like Pixar. Yeah, uh, which was genius. Now Disney Animations isn't making these 2D cartoons that are kind of passe and nobody has the appreciation for. Think of Treasure Island. Nobody went to see it. Brother Bear, nobody went to see it. Mm. Uh, Iger also bought Marvel Entertainment in 2009 and eventually confided sole decision-making power of that branch into Kevin Feige. Yeah, they've done okay. <laughs> they've done all right for themselves. <laughs> he per helped purchase Lucasfilm in 2012 while entrusting the vision of Star Wars to Kathleen Kennedy, keeping George Lucas out of the picture. True. Ballsy call. After Jar Jar Binks, probably not incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying that, but I mean, think about it. If you have George Lucas on on hand, sure. I mean, that's a, it takes a lot. Certainly it does. To go in another direction. Obviously, Disney just purchased 20th Century Fox as well as most of the Fox Library of Entertainment assets for you know a cool seventy some odd billion dollars this past summer. 
A lot of money. <laughs> he created streaming services for each of ESPN and Disney. He purchased a controlling stake in Hulu. He developed more IP-reliant theme parks and attractions. And for God's sakes, he even helped spearhead a cruise ship line. And for all of that, he more than quadrupled Disney's market cap from $55 billion to over $220 billion, which it is today, since he took over in 2005. $220 billion. He's done okay. He's probably going to get a hell of a golden handshake to go into retirement with. Uh, like Mike said, Bob Chapik is the man tabbed to replace Iger in 2022, and he currently resides as Disney's head of parks and resorts, but not a lot is known about him professionally otherwise. And a very interesting article from Forbes came out. If you believe the people they use as sources in that article, they think Chapik's hiring is either temporary, the means of starting a competition within Disney, or just downright bizarre because the expectation was that they would hire somebody more familiar with the streaming branch of what Disney's trying to do, seeing as entertainment is obviously shifting that way. Uh, Bob Chapik does not have experience in the streaming industry. He, again, has he helped you know, formed the cruise line. He helped with the park renovations. He helped build the Star Wars attraction that just opened in Disneyland or World that everybody's all about. But he doesn't really have a lot of familiarity with the entertainment side as far as on this big or little screen. But he does have 22 months to learn from Bob Iger, so hopefully this will be a seamless transition. Well, I wonder if it goes back to what Andrew and I talked about and that, you know, Disney Plus's main game plan is to still kind of get you to go to Disneyland and Disney World as as, as as importantly as it is to have have you go see the next Disney movie in theaters. It's an interesting thought. So maybe they're streamlining how to get from watching TV to getting into the park. But the yeah. streams of revenue are, are important to them. Yeah. It's, and it's about merchandising and it's about the theme parks. And so that's where they make most of their money. They make a lot of their money still, even though they're making billions now with worldwide distribution and Disney Plus, etc. When's the last time you went to Disney World? You ever been? I've never been. So I can't they don't imagine. Get me. They don't got me. They get you. <laughs> I can't imagine going <laughs> as an adult and having it be a fascinating retreat. But you think about it. I mean, everybody goes to movies. It's a you know a couple at most. You're spending a couple hundred dollars a year on Disney stuff. You go to Disneyland. It's thousands. Imagine walking around in one of those character suits in the hot August sun down in Florida. I was dating a girl whose roommate was Cinderella down there. Oh, no. Disney World in Florida. <laughs> and her whole it was scary because her whole room was just her as Cinderella. That is that was, terrifying. Yeah, there's pictures everywhere. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. Right, but that's nonetheless. Her nickname was Cinderella, yeah. What? Her nickname? We didn't like her. Oh, boy. Sorry. <laughs> All right. One last story. It's a vague thing. Nobody knows. Like I could, I could talk some shit. <laughs> I'm glad you have the platform. Last story, Mike. All right, this is a shitty story. Yes, right, the is. Caesar Awards of France, they give Best Director to Roman Polanski amidst a protest. This happens... Uh, Jessica Chastain tweeted out uh, a video of Adele Heinel from uh, Portrait of a Lady on yeah. Fire. This announcement comes down and Adele Heinel just storms out. Good for her. What the fuck is the upside of this? This makes no sense. Like, it's just belligerent. Yeah. Correct? Is there anything other than belligerent old white assholes being belligerent and saying like this guy who admitted to right. having sex with a 13 year old girl can make th these movies uh, for our industry that we're going to fund and because they're and reward yeah we're going to celebrate this guy Why? i don't understand other than headlines like we're talking about it now and we probably wouldn't be otherwise but i, I don't understand what the upside of this and even so if that's your way of getting headlines 
Maybe you need a new director. Like this, yes, some news is bad news. I hate to break it to people, right. but th- this is gross and and belligerent is the absolute right word. I mean, th- I don't know why we feel the need to ever reward Roman Polanski anything ever. And I know Francis had a record of saying in certain film uh, festivals, we just we don't care about the per- person. We just want the best films in there. No, <laughs> I disagree. Thirteen-year-old kid. Ugh. I mean, I w- work with kids that age. It is just implausible to Ugh. me that somebody would prey on a kid that young. I don't care. I mean, he's in his thirties. I, I yeah. Know, he, he, what the no. fuck is wrong Gross. with him? And he admits to it, and then he bails. He leaves. Gross. He doesn't. He doesn't fight it. He doesn't face justice. All right, you rehabilitated. You want to be a filmmaker again? Fine, but you, it, it's just. I to me, morally and ethically, like he shouldn't be allowed to make movies. Period. End of story. Don't fund his movies. Nobody should want to work with him, and nobody should want to fund him. And if he does make these movies, why is anyone watching them? Yeah, I, uh, gross. Yeah, right. away. Let's let's move on. That was a relatively depressing news of the week. Let's uh, make it a little more lighthearted and hopefully fun with some. Do you care? Second, this is where we take news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? Michael, uh, the way we start every Do You Care segment is I ask you about this week's new releases, both in theaters and on demand. And going wide, we have Onward from Pixar. Gonna see it. We have First Cow from Kelly Riker. I'm gonna wait for Second Cow. That's terrible. That's terrible. No, I I do want to see it. (laughs) We have The Way Back with Coach Ben Affleck. I just saw a new preview of it and it looked pretty good. That's just, I mean, just make make an interview with Barbara Walters, Ben. You don't have to make a whole film about what happened yeah. from the Batman time. Well, it's it's a movie about basketball, and he looks like the, a good coach. <laughs> okay. And they actually, you know, pull back in the silhouette of old Affleck. Yeah. Shooting. Uh-huh. It looks like he can. He's got some game. Like looking. I don't know if it's really. Ben, it's probably not really Ben. It's like a real basketball player. But it shoot looked good. a free throw. All right. On uh, VOD, we have Swallow coming out from Sundance. I do want to see that. I think that's going to be available for eight or six dollars. All right. We also have coming to Netflix. I don't know how we missed this. I guess we were covering too much Oscar, Oscar stuff. Excuse me. Spencer Confidential is coming Should out. Should we just review the trailer now? Because what the hell are they yes. doing? Uh, so the premise for this trailer do, do you remember that movie contraband that everyone said mark Wahlberg was just doing a cash grab for and it went into theaters yeah that but for netflix like the first <laughs> half of this trailer is like getting out of prison yeah. anti-hero coming home things to settle <laughs> But then you realize, no, he's a hero cop. Yeah. And he's, he's righteous and all these crooked cops. Are, what are we doing? The trailer's just nonsense. This is the perfect Netflix movie. This is exactly no, like that Ben Affleck that. movie. What was that one that just came out? Andrew's screaming at you from wherever he's listening right now. The perfect Netflix movie? That's, yes. per, that's prerogative. No, that's no. This is... This... What's derogative? Yeah, derogatory. This is... <laughs> I mean, but this is the mid-budget action. Mark, every five years, Wahlberg's going to do one of these, right? He's going to do it anyway. Mike, this just looks like a bad, stupid movie. I won't watch it. I, I'm probably going to actually <laughs> skip this one. Like, usually... I I put on everything that Netflix has just in the background right. sometimes and I'll just review it for shits. Like, I could not be less enthusiastic. Even the awesomely bad aspect of it. What was that one that just came out with Affleck and a bunch of other people and they were like... Dressed Triple in- Frontier. Yes, this reminds me of that one. That was okay, at least. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't watch it. I won't watch this. Uh, this, uh, well, I'm a little burned by the Michael Bay movie, which was legitimately not awful. good. Yeah, we it was not that. good. That was awful. Yeah. That was painful to watch. All right, we got some stories though. Robert Edgar's Mike, his next movie is going to be a Viking revenge tale. Yeah. A Viking revenge tale with Nicole Kidman. We also got a couple of SARS guards in there. Willem Dafoe is coming back. And he's uh, Eggers is bringing back the Oscar-nominated cinematographer from The Lighthouse, Yaren Blaschke. Mm. Look, Eggers is great, but of all the new age horror auteurs, he's probably spoken to me least, which I think is more of a me problem because he's doing all these folk tales and folklore that involves all these period pieces that I don't have a good time relating to anyway, usually. So I know this is more of a me, but if this is going to be a Viking revenge tale, we could be in for like a kill billion amount of fake blood in this. I, I could get into it. I think he's more like an Ingmar Bergman type, but, you know, ratcheted up to like 11 or 12. Yeah. He's not quite uh, as much of a art film director, even though these are kind of art films, but they're like hard art. Mm. Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. New terminology. I think that's fair. The Lighthouse is a wackadoo story. It's <laughs> worth watching. It's entertaining. And the the Double V Vitch... The Witch is is a good movie, even though I didn't love The Witch as much as I, lo- I love The Lighthouse. So I wasn't crazy, but again, I, I mean, I, I, I like The Witch was fine. I wasn't crazy about it like everyone else. A lot of other people seem to be, but I'm I'm in. I'll, I'll see anything Eggers does. A uh, Viking revenge tale with Willem Dafoe. Speaking Viking, what, what did they uh, they spoke English, right? No, Scandinavian is a different language, right? I, I well, mean, but he tries to have people speak Old English in most of it, and so far, both of his movies. Defoe could just use the same accent from the lighthouse <laughs> as this character, and I think we'd all be okay with it. With a uh, you know a horned hat, right? And, yeah, and talk be. about beans. And, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Mike, we got some new stuff coming out from Star Wars. Project Luminous and High Republic. What do we got? All right, so Project Luminous is basically an initiative to have all of the Star Wars writers on the same page and turn their attentions to Star Wars prequels of a certain unexplored time in their timeline. Hmm. And that is of the High Republic. Uh, we had a, an excellent article from Peter Sharetta on uh, Slash Film talking about a novelist and comic book creators, Charles Soulet, Kavan Scott, Claudia Gray, Daniel Jose Alder, Justina Ireland, and Lucasfilm publishing creative uh, director Michael Siglane basically conceived of the idea at San Diego Comic-Con in 2008 or that's where he recruited all all of them to get on board. Wow. These are a lot of the YA novelists. These are the, you know your, your some of your favorite Star Wars books out there being written by these writers and what they're going to do is they're going to try and create source material that will eventually be there in terms of, you know, our perspective for the Disney Plus series, for the video games before that I think and eventually for the movies. So I, I think this is smart. I think this is smart because, you know, the MCU draws from all of the comics they can pick and choose. And I, I think a lot of the Star Wars mythology is just all over the place. Like some yeah, is I recognized, agree. some is recognized as cam- canon, some is not. But they kind of, you know, got on the same page and they even had like workshops or brainstorming sessions on what is a Star Wars story. They took pictures of the big board, (laughs) but they publicized a bunch of the novels coming out, a bunch of the comics. I think a a video game or two, they showed some of the artwork involved. There's going to be a a series that, that deals with like the exploration age before 
hyperspeed or uh, I'm not a, I don't remember my Star Wars terminology. It's been a month since the last ludicrous movie. speed. A month since the last movie. What did they call it? hyperdrive? Yeah, sure. I'm not the Star Wars before guy. You that, are. Before that, they they just were like you know Star Trek, just exploring planet by planet and meeting all these new cultures, and uh, they're going to do something with that. But they're all going also going to do something where. Obi-Wan Kenobi's quote from, uh, I believe, yeah, it was New Hope, where he was like, you know, there was a time before the Empire. And it wasn't always like this, Luke. So that's like serious canon. You know, Alec Guinness saying you can do so. They want to go back to that age where the Sith is basically rising. This is basically just a way of getting the entire Empire, so to speak, on the same universe. Yeah, and I think, but I think it's smart because like they recognize that they're all over the place. Right. It's a cluster, you know what? And we got to get we got to get our best people, our most talented people, on the same. Page. It makes sense because cohesion and continuity is pretty much ruling the day. Those are the most successful films, and it seems like all our tastes from TV have translated to the movies. And now all we as movie fans want is narratives that span. You know, obviously the MCU is the greatest example of this, but we want these world-building movies to keep happening. Well, so we love serialized storytelling. Yeah, we I think love that makes it. So let's sense. get some great writers, you know, uh, into this project, and cre- maybe they create four out of fifteen mm. that are great stories, and then you can you can pick and choose from those four, and then over the course of the next ten years, that you, you might have 45, 60 stories. And the next Let's Star go. Wars movie needs to be a win. I, uh, Kathleen yeah, Kennedy needs true. a big win for the, whatever I, happens next. I think they've been frustrated. They've been trying to draw from this and that. You know, right, I mean, right, you right. I agree. You go back to the Nintendo 64 game with Dash Rendar, mm. and you go back to the you know the old Republic. I mean, there's a Disney Plus show now that's a big hit, and they, they, they give you some Easter eggs from those in the movies. But it's just like we're drawn from this, we're drawn from that. We're still trying to pay homage to the movies. Let's get our... Crap together. We don't have a cohesive timeline either. You know, everything's kind of all over the little scatter well, shot. Right there are books that are totally different right. than the last trilogy yeah. that kept going with Luke and Leia and all them. I like I like so. the move. I, I think it's smart, and I think uh, you know it'll help the serialization. And I think that's that's probably what the end goal should be for something like that. Fingers crossed. Mike Creed Three is uh, basically in production now, and they got the uh, writer from King Richard. Yeah, I saw a decent amount of skepticism and disappointment at this announcement on film Twitter. Zach Bain is the name of the writer. Uh, this story was first broke by Mia Galupo of The Hollywood Reporter. My first thought was, wow, I guess this means people are expecting big things from King Richard, and so that makes us geniuses for saying the same. I thought the opposite. I thought we were ex- already expecting big things from King Richard. And maybe that's our, where our hype is right now. We expect King Richard to be an Oscar right. movie. And therefore, all right, if this guy's getting more work, that's, and it's just, it's a cycle. It just affirms that King Richard is good. And it also, uh, I think you're saying the exact same thing I said. But I made the cycle thing. (laughs) But I I think, I think I assumed King Richard was going to be good. Right. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. So, like, I don't understand why this would be a bad thing. I don't understand where the skepticism comes from because it's not like anyone's seen King Richard. What I'm saying differently now is that I think Creed 3 will be better. Okay, I, I'm on board for it. That's that's fine with me. I just don't. Under, I actually saw people down and not happy about this, and I don't understand why. And it's not like you could go on what King Richard is because no one's seen it. It's not like you can go on what Zach Bain's uh, CV is because King Richard is his first writing credit on IMDb. 
I'm yeah, great. Give the guy a chance, right? I don't understand. Am I unless I'm missing something well, completely? I guess we've seen nothing he's written, so maybe he's terrible, and then he'll be make Creed maybe three people terrible. People wanted Coogler back and and oh. leading that shit. Yeah, I don't know, be. maybe. But yeah, I, I'm all for it, and I I, I still haven't seen Creed two, and I, maybe that's maybe it was a Coogler thing, and maybe I'm thinking along the same lines, and I don't even realize it. Come but, on, Creed yeah. two was fun. Creed is just Rocky. Yeah, and it's Creed just two Rocky. It's like Rocky's two, three, and four, the best parts of them. <laughs> okay, so they're fun and they're cool. All right, I'll see. If Creed it's two. fun and it's cool, you should watch it. Fair. And it's sports. It's just you know even more reason you'd like it. All right, I'll watch Creed two. <laughs> Mike Parasite's gonna end up streaming on Hulu. So this is coming April 8th, and this was very surprising to me because HBO is developing the Parasite TV series for Bong Joon-ho. But Neon sells the rights, the exclusive streaming rights, to Hulu. So the TV show is a prequel, right? The TV show's filling in the gaps prequel, right? As far as we know, and we thought it was just going to be a retelling originally. It's, it's. I don't think it's going to be like a seven season thing. I I don't either. I would be surprised. It may be super successful and they go beyond the movie and everything else. But I I think what it's going to be is just like a six to eight episode miniseries. Why can't that show just be True Detective and it's an anthology series and it just tells different parts of the world of Parasite? In different it, seasons. Well, if it's successful, then it will be. Right. It will be something that goes on and on. And I don't know. I, I Even after Bong Joon-ho. But you just mentioned it. Like, Disney has a, control, a controlling stake in Hulu. Mm-hmm. And they're going head-to-head now with HBO. Yeah. And why is HBO... Want, he's got Bong for this. And then Bong Joon-ho goes... And, or Neon, really, just goes to Hulu for that. Strange. Yeah, I, I would imagine... Well, it's different. I don't know who has the streaming rights to sell them. I was going to say maybe it's Neon who, who makes that decision, but it, the streaming rights might be held with the uh, the producers of the the original producers of the film. So I don't know. They could have just have contracted been, no, with Neon. It has to be Neon. It, it, well, the Neon article the, says Neon. Oh, it was Neon who made the decision. Okay, yeah. I, you could tell I read. Uh, so that <laughs> is interesting. I guess Neon doesn't care. They just want the highest bidder. Hulu must have been you know putting up Sundance money yeah, they, or well, more. Disney's got plenty of greenbacks in their bank. That's true. They they definitely do. Mike Scorsese's new movie could be headed to Netflix. Now, this is strange because there's an article on Slash Film, Mm -hmm. and it was quoting Richard uh, Rushfield's uh, breaking story on Ankler on their newsletter. Basically that Scorsese, his budget was growing, and it's now up to two twenty-five dollars for Flowers, uh, Killer's, of the flower moon or flowers of the killer moon. Flowers of the killer moon would be no kill, killers of the flower moon. We have uh, Paramount in control right now, and to me, this is like a this is like a story that 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 reeks of sports journalism to me. This sounds like a story that Scorsese floated, right? Because like it, who's trying to get this guy yeah, traded or something? It, it sounds seems- like Paramount doesn't like the budget, and Scorsese wants more. This is what it sounds like to me. And so Scorsese's people are floating out. Oh, maybe I'll just go back to Netflix. And Rushfield was basically just saying just that in his uh, in his uh, his story that Scorsese, I mean, can you can you blame the guy for, you know, after coming away from the Irishman where they gave him all the money he wanted and all the freedom he wanted to make it and now he's back to the normal studio system and he's bucking up against, you know, 
typical norms and controls. goes back to the question, was The Irishman a success for Netflix? I don't know what metric they used to measure that by, but if The Irishman did what Netflix wanted it to do, despite it not winning an Oscar, then sure, why wouldn't Netflix do this again? If The Irishman flopped because it didn't win an Oscar and it didn't bring in as many subscriptions as Netflix thought, I can't imagine Netflix doing being in the business of blank checking anyone, even including Martin Scorsese, for a long time now. If you have to make two and a half times your budget, is there a Scorsese film that is going to make, what is that, at least, so that's 450 yeah. plus what's half of 225? Let's One, do some math. 12 and a half. So, two, yeah, it's a lot of money. It's like half a billion, more than half a billion. It's, it's something plus pi, plus, <laughs> plus cosine. It's something in there, but that, that's all, it's like a half, 570 billion? A million. My instinct. 570 million. My instinct goes along with what you're hinting at here. I don't think Netflix has any interest in this. Killers of the Flower Moon is going to make 570 million worldwide. Right. I, I don't think Netflix has. And I think this is Scorsese floating out. I need more money from Paramount. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to go right back to Netflix. And Netflix is like, huh? What? It's <laughs> the first I'm hearing of it. I'd be curious. I want. I, I really wonder what's going to happen there. That's an interesting story. That's Absolutely fun speculation. Mike, we got a box office update. Quick box office update. Uh, the Invisible Man seems like it's going to be doing well. It might sniff thirty million this week in the opening weekend. It's got a small budget. It's like seven, eight million for the budget. So it's going to make four. You can times, make money on horror movies if they're done well. Four times its budget in its opening weekend domestically. That's awesome. Thirty million dollars usually means an easy path to a hundred million uh, domestically, as long as your movie's not. Awful. So. Like no, they're going to have a hit yeah. there. The Call of the Wild, 14 and a half. Sonic the Hedgehog, 14 and a half. Bad Boys 2, 4. Birds of Prey, 3.5. Are the box office mojo projections going into the weekend? So we're, we're recording this Saturday afternoon, so we're not going to know. Yeah, Sonic. Still making money. <laughs> ben Schwartz. Who would have thought? Movie star. <laughs> crushes it. I'm happy for Ben Schwartz. <laughs> Me too. Let's go into some quick trailer thoughts. Trailer. We already reviewed one trailer that was going to be in this section, so we only have one other. We have the new Jordan Peele Candyman movie. Premise, Jordan Peele finds another reason to repurpose a 90s R&B song to implant it directly into our nightmares as this legendary slasher is brought into the 21st century. All right. Can I be honest with you? You didn't like this. I didn't like this, but I also never liked the trailers for Get Out. If the buzz for Get, Get Out wasn't overwhelming... Is that a B joke because of Candyman? Perhaps. Okay. I would have not sought out Jordan Peele's first movie as, as I did. I mean, it was a must-see movie at the time is what I'm trying to say. I don't remember the first trailer for Get Out. Do you remember? Because it was you remember just what jarring. didn't appeal to you? It was oh, it was just loud. It was typical horror movie. They really emphasized all the jump scares. It was it was not a good trailer in my Interesting. opinion. This trailer is a little more polished. It's a lot more polished, I'll be honest with you. But I didn't like it for different reasons. Well, let's go over the positive stuff first. Okay. I mean, the, the Bloody Mary, Beetlejuice, Urban Legend chant thing is scary and kind of fun. Yep. Tiona Paris is super talented. We sang her praises a while back from If Beale Street Could Talk. Correct. She has a supporting role. We hearken back to her role in Spike Lee's Chirac. We've loved her in both of those things. Now, Jordan Peele as a producer, I mean, he has produced in back-to-back -back years Oscar winners, Black Klansman, Hair Love. Yeah. Back-to-back -back years. So he picks and chooses 
chooses his directors to get behind, and he usually picks correctly, at least last two years. So yeah, Monkey Paw's turning into quite the force. I think we can be bullish about the prospects of the Candyman remake here. I, I share some concerns. I'm also positive on it just because I'm not exactly sure what the story they're going for is. Because the way the trailer looks to me is that the protagonist here has the spirit of the Candyman in him. He's seeing the Candyman's reflection when he walks by a mirror. He sees the Candyman when he walks by a car. But So to me, I'm getting the suggestion that this guy is committing murders because the spirit of Candyman inhabits him, but he doesn't realize he's doing it. That's kind of a cool innovation. I right? like that. I mean, it, it, and it's it's kind of what happened in the first movie, even right. though it's not exactly what happened in the first movie. So I'm in for that, but this is, I mean, look, I did not like the audible nightmare that was Honeyland from this past year. Right. There's a lot of buzzing. Right. There's a lot of yelling. <laughs> a lot of yelling. And this trailer mentioning it. has a lot of yelling. <laughs> it has a lot of buzzling, buzzing and, ch- and chanting. And there's also gurgly dying because I don't like torture porn. I don't like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I don't like that. And there's a lot of that gurgly dying. Don't, 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 leave me alone, please. In this trailer. Audibly, this movie, this movie scares me. And then the Destiny Child song is like forced. Can I tell you something? I've never been a Beyonce person. I've never been a Destiny Child person. I loved the entrance and the repurposing of this you song. You liked it. It worked for, I... He can redo any 90s R&B song he wants to turn it into a horror anthem. And it's I'm a little in. on the nose, though. Say my name. I don't get it. Yes, <laughs> I, yes, it is. It's very on the nose. I agree. Uh, I think there's a couple positives and, and I, reason to trust Jordan Peele. One, Nia DaCosta, not only a female horror director, but a black female horror director for one of the only black horror slashers that we've ever had in history uh, under the tutelage and guidance of Jordan Peele, who is one of the best horror directors going right now, himself obviously a black horror director, obviously much more than just a horror director by all means, for the love of God, the guy can do anything he wants. But I think all of that is very important for representative's sake. Uh, and so I, to me, can't believe, I think this movie means too much to, to everyone involved. I can't believe that Jordan Peele would let the Candyman franchise flop on its first rebooting. And that's why I wanted to start right. things off. Like, I mean, look, I don't like the trailer. That doesn't mean it's going to be a bad movie. I, mean, I, would, yeah, I think the It trailer, might be a bad movie. Yeah. I might might be seeing I, some red flags. I'll say this. I wasn't crazy about the trailer. I loved the song, but I wasn't crazy about the trailer. But I have, I love this trailer infinitely more than I like the Spiral trailer. Yeah. I, that Spiral trailer, I do not have high hopes for. So maybe I'm seeing that one the way you're kind of seeing, you kind of saw Get Out. And maybe we can be pleasantly surprised by both of them. That's the hope. One of us will be pleasantly surprised <laughs> each time, and the other one will be let down because it didn't reach their high expectations. Every time, every episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, folks. <laughs> so we will wrap up here with some audience interaction. Obviously, we want to hear what you thought about the Candyman trailer, but let's talk not about Candyman, but about a man who brings candy to our land, Ben Schwartz. That was weird. Going to Tyson Fury. That was last week's Six Degrees of MMO Challenge. The Efficiency Award. We will start with Bill Brasky at Bill Brasky 2620 Ben Schwartz was in the web series The Earliest Show. Did you watch that? No. Oh my god. <laughs> funny. So good. So good. <laughs> Please Lapkus seek it out. Yes. Yeah. Lauren Lapkus was his co-host there, who was in between two ferns the movie with Zach Galifianakis. Zach was in the hangover with Mike Tyson, who demonstrated his fury in the ring by biting off of Vander Holyfield's ear. <laughs> that he did. 
That he did. Jordan Beck at Dr. Underscore Magnifico says Ben Schwartz was on Parks and Recreation with Henry Winkler, who was in Scream with David Arquette. Arquette was named WCW Heavyweight Champion in 2000. Infamously. And has wrestled on WWE Monday Night Raw, where Fury made his WWE debut. Magnifico speaking right to my heart there. (laughs) JR at Jim Bocce Pasta 186. Thank you. <laughs> we told him that was that's how we we're gonna pronounce it from now on. <laughs> Quick and painless Schwartz to Pratt to Batista to Fury from the Lego movie to Guardians of the Galaxy to WWE. The most efficient from yes. Bachi Pasta, Mr. Jim there. <laughs> uh both Twin Peaks Awards go to Swamp Thing this week. Uh this is the David Lynch Twin Peaks Award here. Wojciech Weisher. I'm gonna read his first submission, even though he you know, go uh, find the screenshot of his larger submission. It has more Oscar stuff. But actually his first sub- submission, Wojciech, he made me really laugh in this one. So Tyson Fury was born in Manchester, same as Luke Baines, who's in Under the Silver Lake there as Jesus. Is. There's a character named Jesus. Does he and, play the, the Lord and Savior? Oh, might as well. <laughs> Jesus Quintana is John Turturro's character's name in the Jesus roles, yep. starring Pete Davidson, who is engaged to Ariana Grande, who has a cameo in MIB International. Michael Tessa Thompson, who's marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Mrs. Maisel. Love it. Uh, that's his connection there. <laughs> played by Rachel Brosnahan, uh, who in two- 2016 played Desmonda in Othello at the New York Theater Workshop opposite Daniel Craig. Huh. Who's a stormtrooper in The Force Awakens, <laughs> same as Ben Schwartz. Big, I love that. They both are cameos yeah, in the like stormtroopers. Ben Schwartz also does the voice of BB-8. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people know that. I don't know if everyone does, but what does it take to do the voice of BB-8? No, there do you is. think he's just pressing a button? I mean, is he farting into a microphone? No, he and probably just does noise. It? Yeah, he does noises, and they put an effect on his voice. I would think, unless he actually sounds robotic, which he's a talented man. I wouldn't put it past him. SNL needs to get Ben Schwartz to host. I've been on this campaign on social media for four years. He's probably getting that I am Groot money there, Ben Schwartz. Good, good for him. <laughs> the Sports Entertainment Nexus Award. Robert Doherty, our old friend, at Robert Doc 1984 Schwartz, is on DuckTales woo, with Danny Pewdie, who's on Mystic Quest, Raven's Banquet, which I have not started watching yet, with F. Murray Abraham, <laughs> who was in Finding Forrester. You're the man now, dog. With cameo by Matt Damon, who was in Ocean's Eleven, with cameo by Lennox Lewis, who held the heavyweight championship belts, which are now held by Tyson Fury. So I, I took the wrestling one out of this and just went with the boxing award. But this is the <laughs> nexus of all these sports, which I really like. Because yeah. that was the idea. Here. I appreciate Audrey it. Audrey Ratajak uh, also gets this award. Audrey underscore Ratajak, just how it's spelled there. Ben Schwartz guest starred on Modern Family, which stars Ed O'Neill, who tried out in the late 60s to be on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, what a missed opportunity opportunity by them their former safety ryan clark is an analyst for espn and has appeared on first take which tyson Look fury also appeared on i like that great job audrey safin 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 i think why do i keep getting <laughs> stuck with that name at hayden underscore petty his name this month schwartz with chris pratt on parks and rec pratt with dave batista and guardians of the galaxy batista with tyson and wwe smackdown again nice quick easy and involving the wwe oh. which is all i ask for did we read that one twice or did i should have moved that back up i, I didn't want to give that the exact WWE's. thing in there was twice yes. i didn't want to give the wrestling the, the the shine here but i guess i did well let that be a lesson to you 
Wrestling finds a way. The man who knew too much award is going to Nolan Roberts, because this is what he knows. Tyson Fury has stated his support in Britain leaving the European Union. This is the exact opposite opinion of Patrick Stewart. So just two poli- political opinions just right off the bat. There. Two of the greatest political minds of our generation going From at it. celebrities. Right. Patrick Stewart performed in a comedy sketch making fun of the decision alongside Adrian Scarborough. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Talked about the EU decision in a comedy sketch. Adrian oh. Scarborough was in the King's Speech. So That's why I don't know who that is. Right. Well, you should have seen the King's Speech. <laughs> well, I thing. saw it. I just didn't like it. Oh, she just don't remember. Blocked it out of my mind. The social network. Grudges. You hold. (laughs) The King's Speech is directed by Tom Hooper, who also directed the masterpiece that is Cats. Cats, of course, starred Taylor Swift, who was at one point romantically involved with Tom Hiddleston, who was in Avengers Endgame with Paul Rudd, who was in Ant-Man with Michael Pena, who provided voice work for Turbo alongside Ben Schwartz. I did not know that. Oh, see, I learned something today. It's a lot to know there. It's that Patrick Stewart isn't for Brexit. <laughs> the winner! Again, back-to-back winner! Mark Burgundy entering the Hall of Fame at the one Hanson. Ben Schwartz is the voice of Leonardo the Turtle. Leonardo da Vinci <laughs> painted The Last Supper, which features Mary Magdalene, who's been played by Rooney Mara, who in Pan played Tiger Lily, which is also the name of the daughter of Michael Hutchinson's from In Excess, wow. whose song Never Tear Us Apart was used in Fifty Shades of Grey, which is a raunchy movie, as is Nine and a Half Weeks with Mickey Rourke, <laughs> who was in The Expendables with Jason Statham, who was in Snatch, featuring a lot of gypsies, which brings us to Gypsy King Tyson Fury. Love that. He goes off of names and nicknames and, and movies being raunchy together. And in excess. That was fun. Yeah, the daughter of Lee Singer in excess. That's just a great job, Would Mark. you name your daughter Tiger Lily? You know what? I was kind of a Peter Pan fan <laughs> back in the day for a, a phase there. I would if I knew I wasn't going to be around to raise If her. I was a rock star, I would have right. the yeah, cojones, whatever. perhaps, yeah, and is, she would not be happy with me. This is my daughter, though. Cocaine Peanut Butter. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Mark Burgundy, the one Hanson, you are the winner again this week. Uh, back-to-back weeks. Are we starting a new chair? This is probably coming out we, in March, right? So a it's, new a, chair. it's a new chair, so obviously this has to be a throne in the shape of a shamrock. Uh, you have That's a couple right. McDonald's shamrock shakes in your cup holders on either side there's million dollar tickets mm-hmm. on those shakes right uh, because uncle jerry right has provided those shakes for you right and they're they're kept uh uh a, they're very cold because they just came out of the freezer from their eggshells okay. where they were being held so uh so you can't hold them does the chair have cup holders the, the chair has cup holders with the shamrock shakes in them yes right Nice. Right, and uh, since you can only meet Uncle Jerry in bathrooms, apparently this is unfortunately. You can't in leave the throne, is what's <laughs> right. happening. Exactly. You know, you need somebody to transport this mm-hmm. throne somewhere if you need to get anywhere. Right. Because if you leave the throne, they're going to take your million dollar tickets, or maybe you just don't want that evil, Mark Burgundy. <laughs> you just want to call the cops. It's really up turn, to you. Turn yeah. Uncle Jerry in. Right. So there's a lot of dilemmas going with this throne this month. <laughs> now we have a whole month to work on this story. You're the winner! Mark Burgundy, the winner of all things bragging rights, six degrees of MMO related. Michael, let's start wrapping up this episode. What is next week's challenge for the good people? Alright, we're going to start the James Bond character study, finally, with Sean Connery. <laughs> 
And in the news a lot for MMO has been Octavia Spencer. She's <laughs> yes. got a movie called The Witches coming out. She terrifying. has uh, been terrifying us in my rewatches. She has been someone that we think should always be nominated for Academy Awards. She's been in our conversations a lot, and mm. she's going to be uh, voice acting in this week's Onward. So we have Sean Connery, who's our old movie, to our new movie review that we're, uh, we plan on reviewing at the end of the week. Onward, Connery Spencer. There you go. That is your six degrees of MMO challenge for next week. That is MMO Weekly for this week to hopefully start your week off on the right foot, getting you all the way around the Hollywoods. Guys, we obviously want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about anything else we covered here in the MMO Weekly episode, as well as anything we do in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And if you would be so kind as to tap on the podcast app on your iPhone. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar into the search, tap on our logo, and leave us a five-star review after scrolling down a little bit. That would be really cool. Michael, words of wisdom and what is coming. Well, you already said what's coming next, so I guess just words of wisdom, right? Brace yourself for the James Bond character yeah. study that is coming next. So yeah. I did it both in one. There you go. Nice, quick, and easy. You win the efficiency award for words of wisdom. For once! <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you soon. See ya.